For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The only 20 players that matter for week six in fantasy football. Technically, but maybe. There's the names here in a moment. Josh Norse. Hayden Winks, quote unquote, our guys for week six. And we started off with actually some news. And this is why we do the show on Fridays. Cam Akers is not playing in week six. Cam Akers might not be playing for longer than that, Hayden Winks. What we got for personal reasons, Cam Akers sat out of practice on Thursday here on Friday. Again, listed as personal reasons. And he's not making the trip to play on Sunday. What do we do? It hasn't been great for either one of the running backs. This is, I would call this disciplinary. I'm not sure if this is on Cam Akers' side or if this is on the Rams' side, but he's been pretty bad this season in general coming off that Achilles injury. Daryl Henderson, remember, in week one, played 82% of the snaps. That's a, That was against the Bills when they got absolutely shattered. But Daryl Henderson did have 13 expected half PPR points in that game. Josh and I we were pop quizzing each other to see who is the RB2 <laughs> Uh, right now, it is, in fact, Malcolm Brown. Yep. Uh, Kyron Williams, you and I both had some optimism that maybe he kind of mixes in this season. He uh, In week one, when he had that injury, it was a six- to eight-week timeline. I'm expecting him back probably by the end of October, yep. but not this week. I have Daryl Henderson all the way up as my running back 15. Uh, they're hosting the Panthers at home. Yeah, to repeat that, they're 10-point favorites at home against the Panthers. That is traditionally a game script that we totally love running backs. Now, if we can dive into this game a little bit more, we've known the struggles of the Rams so far this season. Uh, blocking in general, both pass, run blocking, awful to start this year. They just lost another one of their starting offensive linemen in David Edwards. And to that tune, the running backs have been bad in isolation. They're yes. not creating on their own. They're not breaking tackles. They're not manufacturing yards. However, this is against a Carolina Panthers defense, which so far this season, you know, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, we can keep going on and on, has been feisty. Yet, the defensive coordinator is now gone. They're going to mm -hmm. be running probably a slightly different scheme under Al Hokum, who has been the linebackers coach in the past. So I'm not even going to sit here and say, Hayden, well, the Panthers defense has been good this year. This is going to be a... a a good matchup offense versus defense. Um, I think that this Panthers team in general goes one of two ways and it's a complete unknown. Either starts playing for Steve Wilkes and Al Holcomb on both sides of the ball, or they kind of turtle up in their shell, especially with some cornerback injuries that they have and the Rams maximize on their 10 point advantage heading into this game. Yeah. The, the I think just for the most part, it's just the, it's hard to overcome the game script. Even if the defense is playing a little bit better down by down and just like, for example, uh, they've been 11th in rushing EPA on defense, which is middle of the pack, but they've given up the the 26 or the 26 against fantasy running backs because they can't get their offense 
going at all. I don't expect that to change this week with PJ Walker um, as well. So I feel pretty good about Daryl Henderson. The other good thing about Daryl Henderson is even if the game script does get wonky for whatever reason, right. and neither, neither one of us is expecting that this week, but if it does, Daryl Henderson was already playing the passing downs over Cam Akers. So I, I think he's pretty game script doesn't really matter either way. And yep. I think that we should be uh, treating Daryl Henderson as an RB two plus this week. Long-term who knows what's going to happen with this can maker stuff. It sounds a little bit ominous, but players kiss and make up with their teams quite often. What, what a weird position he must be in. And we have no insight of what this is. I'm sure Jordan Rodriguez will post something about it here in the near future, but man, prior to 2021 supposed to be the feature foundation bell cow back, whatever you want to call it. Tears his Achilles in training camp. Comes back during this playoff run way before anyone else expected to. Stinks, yet they run him a whole bunch. 16 touches, 18 touches, 20 touches. And so you head into this season thinking, oh, well, they're going to continue that until, again, we get to training camp. And it's, no, we want to be split backs. And actually, we're basically going to bench you because Sean McVay's not yeah. happy with how Cam Akers has responded. Then after week one, it's been Cam Makers the whole way, and now you get to this point. Not to like go on a tangent there, but it just to put ourselves in the shoes of of a player for a second. Like the last, I don't know, eighteen months for Cam Makers must have been an absolute whirlwind. Yeah, and it's it it kind of stinks to be in this moment and to probably not feel totally happy about your health situation or your standing on the team. And at the same time, the team absolutely sucks too. Yeah. Um, if you had to rank the, the players on the Rams this week, again, it's 10 point favorites and they're one of the highest totals because of that this weekend, it's Cooper cup, Tyler Higby, then Daryl Henderson, just in yeah. terms of like, yeah, let's say positional value attached to that. Yeah. I think all three of them are starts. Okay, because I don't think Allen Robinson getting the ball. Ben Skoranek, we know what he is like. I don't think there's going to be another running back that mixes in that much. Malcolm maybe sneaks in at the goal, and it's like my one concern is maybe they just like give him a carry down there. But, but for the most part, we saw in week one, he 82 percent snaps. They're projected for 25 points, 10 point favorites. Like if Sony Michelle formula. was still in this roster, imagine what would be happening right now. Too. Yeah, I can see them making some move here. I don't know who for. Um, Kyron Williams, a pickup in leagues, just a, a speculative pickup for people for out sicko, there. Sicko leagues, yes. Because, again, dating back to week one, I wouldn't have been shocked if Kyron Williams was going to have more touches than mm-hmm. than Cam Akers in that game. Yeah, we talked and about it. And obviously, he immediately got hurt. Okay. Um, last note, I'm always snarky on the Thursday shows because we do the, the show too early in the week. This is the, this is the reason why. We got all this injury news coming on a Friday. Everyone else has pressed their, their record button way too early. We can preview the games with actual information that, that matters. That deserves a thumbs up, a subscribe, and we go to actually the 20 names we wanted to talk about here. And we're kicking it off with the chalk, Hayden Winks, Ramondre Stevenson, two and a half point underdogs the New England Patriots are on the road against the Cleveland Browns, a Cleveland Browns defense that is once again without Jadavion Clowney, without Denzel Ward, and has been miserable at stopping the run this year against multiple backs, including Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley. Yep, that's all you need to know, really. It's a complete eruption spot for Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre's been just good in his own right um, as well. He's currently, um, let's see where I have that, fourth in yards after contact per carry, ninth in elusiveness rating. Like you mentioned, the Browns are dead last in rushing EPA on defense. And then last week, we know that the workload's going to be very strong for Ramondre. Everyone knows this. Played 100% of the running back snaps after Damian got hurt last week. That uh, ended up being 15.7 expected half PPR points. Last note I have on this, offenses facing the Browns are choosing to run the ball neutral spots at the sixth highest rate in the league. You you don't have to really dare Bill Belichick to get the 
game going on the ground here. We know where this is going. Everyone has him as an RB1, myself included. I'll be eating the chalk. What I love about Ramondre is he can get home in a multitude of ways. You know, if they're getting stuff for two yards of carry, three yards of carry somehow, which is very unbrowns like defensively this season, then Ramondre for a 235 pound back, I've added 10 pounds to his weight since our, you know, stats versus film show. Um, he has the ability to reel off a 40 yarder, a 50 yarder, a 55 yarder, you know, and at the same time, this is a team that really relies on the running game inside the 10 yard line. Like take, for example, last year, and it's why we love Damian Harris so much. He had 30 carries inside the 10 yard line last season and had 10 or 11 touchdowns on those. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, mainly because the games that Damian missed and some of those contests when both were dominant on the ground, like there were games where backs had two touchdowns apiece. Uh, he had 11 carries inside the 10 last year and five touchdowns. So I'd expect him to inherit that role. Um, it was already condensed backfield down to two. Hayden, what do you expect if a second or a third back on this team gets involved? Because it's names like Kevin Harris, names like yeah. Pierre Strong, names like J.J. Taylor. If anything, it's not even going to be close, I think, to the 50-50 split it was in the past. And maybe it's a 70-30, just a breather situation. Yeah, yeah I, I would set the over under like 80% snaps or something like that. Do you like that line? With the Browns favored by two and a half. I mean, I feel like we're not talking about Nick Chubb here, but that's even more of the chalk play this week because he is so dominant. I just want to quickly outline just how dominant he is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a ludicrous number. Nick Chubb's forced missed tackles of 42 through five games this season would have already finished in the top 10 for the whole and entirety of last year. It's pretty good. And something to watch with Nick Chubb. And again, he's not one of our names here. Rich Rebar pointed this out, and I'm going to be citing a lot of Rich Rebar here. 47.9% of his carries this season have come with three wide receiver sets after rates of just 32% and 38% under Stefanski in the previous two seasons. So that means Nick Chubb has faced a loaded box on just four of his carries so far this year from that three wide receiver set standpoint. So Stefanski, with a quarterback that is playing better than expectation, but not of top tier caliber is creating space for his best player and his best big play threat. And that is Nick Chubb in the backfield by, you know, loosening the box for him. I'm no NFL scheme or anything, but, but I've always thought run the ball when you spread everybody out. Like <laughs> if you bring a wider or a tight end in that tight end now has to block somebody. If you just have the wide receiver by out there, he's already won his block because the corner is way off the field. I don't know what I'm talking about though. On 51 carries with two wide receivers or fewer, which Kevin Spansky in his past has want, wanted to run a ton of multiple tight end sets. Nick Chubb has faced eight plus defenders in the box on 42 occasions. So it's 42 versus four. Another chalk running back is Kenneth Walker. The third, what a game this is Seattle and Arizona. One of two contests this week that has a total of over 46 points. This one, 50 and a half with the Cardinals on the road favored by two and a half points. Why do we want to talk about Kenneth Walker? Because we freaking love Kenneth Walker on this program. And sure, he 100% is going to get, let's say, 60, 65, 70. The easiest way to put it is the early down work. Um, now, my question to you, Hayden, because there are tons of positives in Walker's direction. We saw him hit that massive play last week, and this is a Seattle offensive line that puts up a ton of points each and every week. To play devil's advocate for myself, can this get shut down? Like, can this be thrown in our faces and be an issue? Because Arizona allowed 139 rushing yards to the Eagles last week, but that was a bit of a different animal with how Jalen Hurts is playing right now. 
Because before that, it was just 40 rushing yards to Christian McCaffrey, 78 rushing yards to the Cam Makers, Daryl Henderson combination, and 69 rushing yards to Josh Jacobs. So we have week five in our brains, but in you know week two through week four, this Arizona Cardinals rushing defense was actually pretty dang good. Yeah, the Cardinals are somewhat of a pass funnel here, and that's why, like, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, I both have inside, I believe, the top 15, if not, like, top 20 for both of them. Uh, Geno Smith's my quarterback, 11. I'm with you. I think that Kenneth Walker's really good at the game, and that's why he belongs on this list. I would not be surprised if he caught a few more passes than people realize over the course of the season. Uh, I just keep going back. It was Daniel Jeremiah, and he went out of his way to say that Kenneth Walker is, like, one of the most coachable, well-liked guys coming out kind of like Javante Williams was and call it uh, coming out in his draft. And to me, that always just means like, don't doubt him, you know, like the stuff that he was doing in college uh, or like the lack of receptions, maybe that's not going to fully translate. We've seen it, especially out of these big 10 offenses time and time again, like Melvin Gordon, these types don't catch that many passes. And then all of a sudden they start catching passes in the league. So I'm I'm just bullish on Ken Walker because I think that he's really good at football. The oddities are so fun. We talked about this in stats versus foam, but just how he grabs the football away, how he sometimes gets his shoulders over his skis and gets out of balance. It's all going to slow down for Kenneth Walker at some point, like it did when he transitioned from Wake Forest to Michigan State and just broke nearly a tackle for every single carry he had over there. Mm -hmm. It was crazy what he did. Um, And just the opinion that people had of Kenneth Walker heading to the season, it's totally shifted already when we're six weeks in, right? Because it's not a split backfield. And most importantly, Seattle's offense is just a whole lot better. I mean, looking at DVOA, they are the number one passing offense, according to DVOA, and the number 12 rushing offense in DVOA. Truly one of the best units in totality in the league. The number one offense, according to DVOA, in the league. So you got a discount on a feature back in running back 38 territory in drafts this summer. And I'm I'm so glad we get to take that to the bank as we get to move forward. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have multiple other players for this game, not to continue this monologue. Go for but it. It is one of those onslaught games. Kyler Murray week. Again, they're two and a half point favorites here at home. No, sorry, in Seattle. But let's start with the negatives and go to the positives. Okay. Kyler Murray is 21st in passing attempts that have traveled 20 plus yards a season. That's awful in comparison to what we expected from Kyler Murray to Marquise Brown. And to make it even worse, he's 29th in completion percentage on those same throws. So you really haven't found a worse combination this year of a guy who's not throwing down the field. And when he does, he's not completing them. Now to the good part. The Seahawks have allowed six touchdowns from outside the red zone this season, the most in the NFL. The Seahawks defense on a play drive or a a drive per per game per basis, it's three points they've allowed. That's like the worst in two or three decades in the league. Um, I know the Cardinals have been outscored 38 to nothing in first quarters this year, but this is the week for Kyler Murray to start hitting big plays to take over in the first quarter and not the third and the fourth quarter and Seattle's defense. While they have a couple pieces and Tariq Willens been a really, really fun late round pick. This is the moment for, I think Kyler to emerge as a top three, top four, top five score at the position. This is a start everybody week. I'm with you. I moved Kyler Murray up to my quarterback three. Um, Obviously, the Seahawks defense has really been struggling dead last in a couple of those categories. The point on the deep passes, I think, is the big one, especially when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. I think they'll play with more pace. But looking just historically, variance in production on these deep passes. And so these are the passes that we're talking about right now. They're last. 
on 15 plus air yards. You said that they're uh, what 29th on 20 plus air yards. Very volatile stuff over here, and they're very valuable targets at the same time. So throughout this podcast, I'm going to be talking about deep targets because they're volatile yet uh, valuable. So we really have to monitor this. And Kyler Murray can sling the ball downfield just about as good as anybody. So that will regress back to a mean. And I think this is the week to really piece all this thing uh, together. I think Rondell Moore is probably the one where I'm like, maybe leave him on the bench, but he's like in my wide receiver 40 range. Zach Ertz, I remain high. Marquise Brown, I remain really high too. And Cliff's not helping, is he? Like he's leaving Hollywood Brown on the left side 76% of the time. I thought some of the stuff with Rondale last week was creative, mm-hmm. but it's creative near the line of scrimmage mostly. But we did see some of those inside breaking routes, those dagger concepts over the middle of the field, which was completely vacated last year. He's just playing a bit more. Um, this is the closest to what they're going to be without DeAndre Hopkins because like not having Rondale for the first few weeks, like just completely hamstrung them. I know Greg Dorch was productive, but it wasn't what they wanted to be at all. And then you even have players like Greg Dorch who can, you know, create, excuse me, like Rondell Moore, who can create a first down in that third and 17. Um, two big completions from Kyler this week. Yep. I'm banking on. And sure. just while we're on this game, I have Eno Benjamin as my running back 18 could be even a little bit higher than that. Yeah, I mean, he faces a Seahawks defense along the second most rushing yards, 131, and third most receiving yards at 55 per game to opposing backs. I kind of think he's chased Edmonds light a little bit. Um, the big thing that we haven't gotten from these running backs for Arizona this year has been inside the 10-yard carries and equaling touchdowns because that's where James Conner shined last season. I mean, he only has eight red zone carries this year and three inside the 10 so far. Eno has six inside the red zone and none inside the 10 yard line so far this season. And in fact, Kyler is the one who has the most touchdowns inside the 10, the team with two. So all that we need is the offense to play better, which is should be at least inevitable against the Seattle Seahawks defense, which is miserable. Um, and then, Eno Benjamin to get one or two or three touches inside the 10 yard line for him to hit. And that doesn't even count all the stuff he should be racking up inside the twenties in this game. Yeah, I think we'll catch a couple of passes here um, as well. Yeah, I'm calling a zone read keeper touchdown for Kyle Murray. Love that. Another big game. You might have heard it. Buffalo Bills, two and a half point favorites on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Total of 54 in this game. Both teams are four and one. Talk to me about Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, yeah, I don't feel great about this, but when we were doing our ranking show last time uh, on Thursday, I had Juju Smith at like wide receiver 30 MVS at wide receiver 31. It's like a product of um, some wide receivers not playing that well. There's some bye weeks, there's some injuries, but just looking at this game, both teams first and second angel pass rate, obviously the highest scoring game of the week. Uh, Juju Smith, I'm not saying he's playing well. I don't even think that he's like a great player anymore, but he's one of four wide receivers to have two touchdowns. Uh, underexpected uh, Juju, AJ Brown, Cortland Sutton, Jamar Chase. Remember all four of those names. Those all, all four of them could be um, on on this top twenty list. But yeah, Juju Smith Schuster is just eighty eight percent snaps. Bills are playing cover two, cover four. This is the this is like your Rashad Penny thing. If not this week, then when? Full time player. This is the defense zone coverage. Doesn't have to worry about man matchups. You right. can't throw deep on the Bills. If it's not happening here, it's not happening this season. Let's break that down a little bit more because the Bills were one of the early adopters of this, especially against a team like the Chiefs, to shut down these big plays, right? Um, The Bills have built their defense to stop these big plays while also bringing in people like Von Miller to rush the passer so they don't have to blitz, right? And 
to be honest, Von Miller and a bunch of these pass rushers versus Orlando Brown, who struggled this year, might be a bit of a mismatch. However, to mitigate that, if I use that word correctly, um, the Chiefs have now built their offense to kind of exist in a world where they know they're going to get a whole bunch of cover two looks, especially when you have to trade away someone like Tyreek Hill. They miss someone like Tyreek Hill, like that pass to MVS against the Colts, for example, where he was in single coverage, that would have changed that game, I think. Um, the over route to Michael Hardman last week. Yeah. Uh, there are these one or two or three plays per game that's like, oh, they'd be even better if they have Tyreek, but it kind of doesn't matter. And we've got to get over it because Patrick Mahomes is still balling out in terms of EPA. And they just use all these different personnel groupings where I think it that's what makes it tough for us to say, oh, it's Juju week. It's MVS week because they both are kind of high variance in just their individual performances as well. We know it's Travis Kelsey each and every week. But beyond that, there should be, if this is going to hit a total of 54, someone else catching passes. And I do like, for your reasons that you pointed out with regression, for it potentially be a juju week. Uh, on the other side of the ball with Isaiah McKenzie, I think that he belongs in like the flex radar as well. Uh, the last two games, uh, not like not including the last one where he was banged up, he had 15.1 and 9.0 expected half PPR points. Obviously, this game is supposed to shoot out. Uh, and what's interesting is offenses facing the Chiefs this year have the second highest pass rate in neutral situations. Don't have to dare the Bills to throw the ball all over the yard. I think they're really going to do it this week. Uh, the Chiefs um, and the secondary have some injuries. I think Khalil Shakur played well. but I'm not sure if Khalil Shakur is going to be out there playing over Isaiah McKenzie, who is clearly the yep. starter all throughout training camp, uh, has played well himself and was the clear starter early in the season. I think he comes out there, probably plays 70% of uh, the snaps and could easily catch uh, a long pass uh, in this expected shootout. Isaiah McKenzie has done nothing wrong to lose his standing as the team's starting slot wide receiver, which he's held from like day one of mm -hmm. training camp. We also have to bring up Gabriel Davis because we do this on every single show and this is and should be a dominant week. Uh, my buddy, real friend, despite recalling Mac Jones receipts, uh, Steven Ruiz pointed out that Josh Allen to Gabriel Davis on post routes of 20 plus air yards. Did you see this number? He's been nine of nine for 426 yards, four touchdowns and a 4.02 EPA per play. That yeah. means every time that Josh Allen attempts a pass to Gabriel Davis on that post route, it's averaged 47 yards per throw, not air yards, legit yards that they chew up on the defense. Um, and we saw the last time these two teams faced off in the playoffs, that dino route that sent Gabriel Davis to 201 yards and four touchdowns. The other part of this and why this has just a easily the highest hole of the weekend when so many games are going under this season is that if you look at third and seven plus conversions this season, the chiefs are number one at converting 52% of those. And the bills are second at 48.1% of those. We've gotten Gabriel Davis as a full participant in practice. He looked back up to it last week. And truly, it doesn't necessarily matter what coverage you use um, because if you even have two deep safeties, as we saw last week, these just speedsters will run right by you and Josh Allen's going to hit it from anywhere in the park. Mm -hmm. So Gabriel Davis, we're going back to the well once again. Of course, of course. Uh, Dawson Knox off the injury report too. I know people, he has, oh. he's been disappointing, but completely off the injury report. And there's the tight end landscape right now is, is in hell. So I think that you can start Dawson Knox and hope to get a touchdown. 
everyone's off the injury report for the Bills. Like, this is the yeah. worst case scenario for the Chiefs playing them. I mean, Mitch Morse is back. Ed Oliver is probably back. You mentioned Isaiah McKenzie. Christian Benford, the cornerback, seems like he's back. Um, I actually had one more name here, and I want to throw out Devin Singletary. Wow. And I know. You all hear us every single week talk about the Bills' running game isn't as great as it's perceived to be because the attachment to Josh Allen and how much he matters, not just pure rushing totals, but also inside of the red zone. Um, here's why I think it might matter. The Chiefs have struggled to create pressure without blitzing the season outside of Chris Jones. And C. Spagnolo has realized that and started to blitz a little bit more. And we have seen games where Josh Allen is blitzed and pressured that he immediately dumps off these passes to Devin Singletary. I'm not saying it's the same exact defense against the Miami Dolphins, but that was a game where Devin Singletary just kept getting the ball over and over and over again. So in that regard, um, and also no team allows more running back receptions than the Chiefs do this season at 49. That's 13 more than the next closest team in the league. And one final number, Devin Singletary has played on 76.4% of the snaps when the game is tied or Buffalo is losing. There's a chance they are losing in this game because of the game script and because of the total. And if that's the case, he is truly the only trusted back still through five weeks of the NFL season on the Bills roster. I, I'll let you choose. Devin Singletary, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I am very close to my rankings. Should I flip these? Singletary. Singletary overseas. Hilaire's the one. I, I, I did want to go back to this a little bit. Um, the Bills defense is going to dare the Chiefs to run it. Of course. You know? Oh, yeah. And pure running, like, CEH is good between the tackles as a bowling ball. But in the last couple of weeks, I've actually thought that Isaiah Vacheco's vision has gotten better. Jarek McKinnon playing a bit more last week, like I thought was a bit of a turning point for them. Look, we we like CH because of the crazy touchdowns he's been scoring this season. But I do wonder if like pure individual talent, if the other two guys are at least last week played better than him. What's interesting is they are playing in two high shell coverage, the th third highest rate in the league, which would invite the run. But teams facing the Bills are still passing the ball at ludicrous levels, probably because they're like, well, if I run the ball, Josh Allen's just going to throw a 90-yard touchdown, so right. we just have to pass the ball. So I, just give me any higher on all the passing stuff is basically how I'm playing this game. Okay. That's an incredible game. That's all the names we're going to talk about in it. Um, let's go to the San Francisco Debo Samuels. Against the Atlanta Falcons. We'll do this one quickly. Uh, the 49ers are favored by five and a half points on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. Talk to me about Debo as we start this off with some name brand players. Yeah, Debo Samuel, just looking at how he was utilized last week, and this makes sense to me, uh, only 2% of his snaps, and it was just, I think, believe it was just one of them, played in the backfield. Uh, the first four weeks, 16%, 19 18 20%. In those first four games when he was going back and forth between wide receiver and running back, he had 12.7 expected half PPR points, which is way lower than it was last season. Last week, he didn't uh, really achieve in the box score, but he had 18.6 expected half PPR points. I've gone back and forth with this. I think I just want Debo Samuel playing wide receiver, and I okay. think that's going to be the case this week because, like you mentioned, we rolled the clip on Tuesday. I think they trust Tevin Coleman more than they were trusting the other RB2s before he was active. And I think that's why Debo Samuel wasn't playing running back. Tevin Coleman and Jeff Wilson both have looked good over the last couple of weeks. 
I think they're going to trust Tevin Coleman to be uh, the the RB2 and let Debo Samuel play on the outside. And I think that Debo Samuel, his eight outs like only like four yards downfield. He can win downfield. Last year, he was breaking my deep target model. I'm calling a deeper target this week goes for a big play. And I think that Debo Samuel is back into my uh, wide receiver one-ish range. The 49ers projected for like 25 points this week. I like that. I wanted to bring up a little bit a conversation because we keep saying that their offensive line is bad, the 49ers. Um, I think that was very fair to say early on the season, like heading into the season and training camp when all these new faces and new names were were playing. And obviously Trent Williams is still battling injuries. Um, I'm not saying they're good, but it's the type of thing that I think Kyle Shanahan has had in the past where he starts coaching around it a little bit and understands that, hey, this unit as a group of five is just going to improve as the weeks go by. Um, so I think it really is easy to say, well, they have a new guy at guard spot, a new guy at center, blah, blah, blah. Um, but maybe just as we go along and maybe even hits this week against the Atlanta Falcons, who it's like Grady Jarrett, and that's about it, yeah. playing defense. Uh, at least rushing the passer, that this might be a better grouping overall, which gives Jimmy Garoppolo time. It helps with the running game, which actually has been pretty damn good at creating seams there. Um, just trying to reset my expectations for the offensive line, if that makes sense. Yeah, Falcons 31st and adjusted sack rate on defense. Uh, A.J. Terrell hasn't been playing as well. He's, he's been right. playing up against some absolute stud wide receivers to start the season, but has been giving up some production. I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of chases Brandon Ayuk around a little bit more just based off of body types. Um, but he, even even if A.J. Terrell is on Debo Samuel, I still like that matchup. Talk to me about Drake London on the other side because last week was the most miserable Drake London week we've had so far this season. Yeah, he only played like uh, like 50, 70 percent of the snaps. I forget what it was. Um, but even with that down week, and I, I think it was because he had a, a little bit of a knee injury uh, off the injury report this week. And even with over the last uh, month of the season with that knee injury, wide receiver 31 usage, they've been hanging tight in some ball games. I think they're going to get smacked this week. Hmm. Uh, like we just said with Debo Samuel, I think uh, Drake London while chasing points is a good thing. And I, I just want to readjust our expectations of this 49ers defense. Uh, yesterday, uh, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, Emmanuel Mosley, Jimmy Ward, Jason Verrett, none of them practice. They're all dealing with injuries. That's a lot of good players, man. That's a lot of good football players. And they play a lot of zone defense. And right now, Drake London is the wide receiver 12 and yards per route run out of 73 qualifiers against zone coverage. So throwing the Kyle Pitts, uh, limited, limited, limited practice this week i think he might play but be actually not be at 100 percent. all this stuff is a, a rebound week for drake london uh not concerned about the knee injury because he was left off the injury report this entire week yeah cornerback emmanuel mosley put on injured reserve as you said their entire starting defensive line from week one might not play in this game like who knows it's just a bunch of dnp so far and that can change once we get there. So it's still going to be a well-coached defense that is still going to mm -hmm. fly around, but it might just not be as top tier. Hey, avoid everyone that they're up against. Yeah. Um, and it, the Cal Pitt status is still up in the air too, as we record this on a Friday, even though it's much later than everyone else. Uh, it's still questionable heading into this game. But regardless of that, we know that Drake London is the go-to target on everything. And Cal Pitts is a secondary option yep. for that. Um, I wanted to go to the, the floor bowl and talk about Aaron Jones against the New York jets. The Packers are seven and a half point favorites here. A total of 45. I love, love, love 
when we get these inter-family rivalries here. LaFleur versus LaFleur, two play callers. Um, look, the Packers passing game struggled in the second half last week. They didn't create a single point on offense, only got that safety in the final moments. Uh, that is unacceptable. And how do you go with big LaFleur? You go through the running game. The Packers are third in run offense DVOA so far this season. Now, my question to you, Hayden, and we hate bring this up every single week. I believe Christian Watson has been on the injury report this week. And I think Christian Watson's success is kind of like tied to Aaron Jones's usage in some ways, where if Christian Watson is in the ball game, he is the one that's able to run all these jet sweeps, jet motions, window dressing. And then Aaron Rodgers has, or excuse me, Aaron Jones has been a rocket out of the backfield and creating chunk gains after chunk gains after chunk gains. Um, I want Christian Watson to play. So that means we get more carries and more touches to Aaron Jones. But regardless, I think he's their team's most explosive player. I think that this is where the Packers can continue to win and really take advantage of a, I'm not going to say less than good. Well, I mean, less than stellar. Let's put it that way. Jets defensive front. And if the Jets are good anywhere, I think defensively it's Sauce Gardner and Quinnen Williams attacking up the middle as a pass rusher. Yeah, right now the Jets are basically middle of the pack in every single category that I have in these charts. Yeah, they're projected for the third most points on the week. So for all the issues that the Packers have had on offense, the betting markets believe that the Packers will bounce back here. Yeah, and they've been awful in the second half so far this season. And again, the way to get that up when maybe your passing game, either your quarterback doesn't trust the wide receivers or trust the play calls that's there because I actually saw Romeo Dobbs running free at times last week. It's to rely on Aaron Jones. So that's what I'm expecting. Okay, other side of the ball. You want to talk about Brees Hall? Yeah, Brees Hall over the last month, RB7 on RB10 usage up to 69% snaps last week. Uh, what's good about Brees Hall right now is he's clearly explosive um, and he's pretty game script independent uh, if they are trailing, which like you're kind of projecting here on a little bounce back spot for Aaron Jones. I think Brees Hall would be playing over Michael Carter in those situations. And then in, if it isn't a neutral game script right now, uh, offense is facing the Packers are choosing to run in neutral situations at the third highest rate. Uh, the Green Bay defense is 28th in rushing EPA. Their stacked box rate, which is a sports info student, student stat that just shows how many defenders basically in the box. They That's only 7% of the time, which is also 28th. They are talking about uh, Rashawn Gary's toe injury. Matt LaFleur said that he's, quote, a little bit concerned. Rashawn Gary is an ass kicker uh, on the Green Bay uh, defensive line here. So I, I can see Priest Hall either in neutral game scripts, ripping off big plays because they're inviting them to run on defense, or if they are chasing points, catching a bunch of passes in, in garbage time. Yeah. I'm excited about these pass rushers against the Jets offensive line, but, man, credit to this Jets offensive line so far this season. Not just in run blocking. I mean, AVT's moving people, but AVT's playing like his third spot this season and playing at a high level in every single one of them. Um, Dwayne Brown is staying healthy at left tackle, at least he was last week. Um, and yeah, I mean, Brees Hall is creating on his own quite a bit. And what Mike LaFleur is doing is drawing up a single big play or two every single week. Last week it was the Brees Hall play action along the sideline that, you know, if you watch stats versus film after showing a different look the previous week with two back sets and pony personnel. And then there's also the Braxton Berrios stuff near the goal line with uh, the Philly special. 
So um, I like this. I think that these like, not to keep bringing it up, these two brothers are going to just be chopping it up. I think the Packers are going to keep everything quite vanilla, but Maddie over there and Mike, little sibling rivalry. Just dive into it a bit more. Tom Brady time. So big week for Tom Brady, Hayden. Eight point road favorites against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Total of 45 points. Start for this game. Neither the Buccaneers nor the Steelers have scored a touchdown on a first quarter possession through five weeks. Easy prediction. That changes in this game. Big limb I'm going out of. Um, just 9.8%. This is courtesy of our friend Lord Reeves. 9.8% of the Tampa Bay yardage has come via rushing the past three weeks, the lowest rate in the league. So Tom Brady is a quarterback four, quarterback five, quarterback six so far this season after throwing 52 passes in each of the past two games. This week, once again, the pass rate over expectation. I don't know, somewhere between 16%, 18%. Boy, oh boy. Tom Brady to Chris Godwin to Mike Evans to anyone you want to talk about here should absolutely hit. And most importantly, maybe the player it most impacts is the one on the cover of this video. Jared Smoller, other friend. The Steelers have allowed a five wide receivers this season to score 26 plus PPR points so far. And Mike Evans is the best candidate to do that on Sunday. First, a neutral pass rate by a wide margin, 67% pass over the last three weeks. They've given up trying to run the ball because they're dead last in rushing efficiency. Uh, they get Chris Godwin back, who's kind of their safety valve uh, to keep Tom Brady from uh, getting those roughing the passer calls called on them. And most importantly for the Steelers, no TJ Watt, Cam Sutton, Akilah Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, Mika Fitzpatrick, all been banged up. We'll see who suits up this week. But uh, they've been getting smoked dead last against fantasy right wide receivers so this is a start everybody week we'll see what happens with chris godwin he looked pretty good to me he's been on the injury report this week uh i'm expecting him not to be in a full-time role but i think that even on 60 70 percent dropbacks he can still pay off as like a wide receiver two three i think this game has a little bit of a sneaky shootout Ooh. potential from the other side too get to that in a moment just rewind seven days where everyone was down on gabriel davis and got a full week of practice in, and Hayden sat here and told you to start him with confidence, not just because, the again, he was healthy, but also because the shape and the injuries and the mass unit that was the Steelers secondary. That has not improved. Again, three of their top corners, Cam Sutton, Akilah Weatherspoon, Levi Wallace, all out of this game, and now you face Tom Brady throwing it 52 times per game with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Russell Gage and so on and so forth. Yeah. Rocket ship time. And just to clean up the injury stuff, Chris Godwin um, did not play or did not practice on Thursday, was limited on Wednesday. So we are dealing with definitely a little bit of variance in his health status. So that's why we have Mike Evans as somebody in top five in mind. And Minka. Uh, rankings. Yeah, Mike is out. Oof. It's not the same Steelers defense. The, the only way Mike Evans doesn't hit if he somehow only gets like 80 yards and no touchdowns because they get down to like the one yard line like he did last week and Lenny or Rashad White or Tom Brady rushes it in. Like to me, that's the only way Mike Evans isn't a top five wide receiver this week. Talk to me about the other side because you have George Pickens written down here. Yeah, so it's it's like George Pickens. I think it's Deontay Johnson as well. I think it's just the Steelers offense probably playing a little bit better than expected quietly, very, very, very quietly. Completion percentage over expected out of 36 qualifiers. Kenny Pickett, second. Don't tell anybody, second. Trubisky was 30th. Success rate 
pass rate. Uh, Pickett, 10th. Trubisky was 32nd. Uh, I've showed up the charts before, but I just think that he's getting the ball out a little bit quicker. He's going to distribute the ball, and this is like garbage time. We're t- expecting uh, the Bucks to go crazy. So I think in garbage time, Deontay Johnson can catch a lot of passes underneath. Uh, the Bucks play a lot of zone coverage. I think that's good news for Deontay Johnson. Um, and I think that George Pickens is going to like continue separating away from Chase Claypool. So um, I, I think that they've been moving the ball. They've had really bad luck uh, inside the red zone um, and with these turnovers. But for the most part, they've been moving the ball. I think in garbage time here, we can catch a lot of passes from Najee, Kenny Pickett, um, their, uh, Deontay Johnson, yep, yep. and uh, George Pickens. Because I think Pat Fryermuth is up in the out. air on this when he's out. Um, I don't want to push back, but let's have just a quick conversation on this. Because I don't think the Steelers want to throw it as many times as they did last week with Kenny Pickett. They were just getting smashed, you know, 38 to 3. So they had to. Mm-hmm. This is also a very different defense that Kenny Pickett is facing this week than he did last week against the Bills. Because the Bills defense just plays what they plays. And then good luck to you, sir. Um, Todd Bowles is going to throw some really crazy stuff at Kenny Pickett in terms of different blitz looks. And they can also get home with just their front four at times. Sean Murphy bunting is out of this. This is just why like starting Kenny Pickett in the second half of the Jets game was such a miserable decision because then his first two starts are against arguably two of the top three defenses in the league. And then the dolphins the next time who also do some crazy stuff out there. Then the Eagles after that, like Mm -hmm. you should have started him at the start of the beginning of that Jets game and then figured out what you have. But I agree for like, Awful scenarios to be thrown into. Kenny Pickett hasn't been overwhelmed. I just don't know with how their offensive line is built here at their this moment if they're going to be competitive. So it's almost like you're relying on garbage time. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, a couple <laughs> notes on, on Deontay Johnson, my nemesis, but I have uh, had him on this list a couple times this season now. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I'll zoom in right here. He's been underperforming on his deep targets. We talked about a couple drops, a couple sideline catches where he's just out of bounds. You see how all these wide receivers regress to the mean. This regression stuff actually does work. Uh, and Deontay Johnson has underperformed there. In fact, he's uh, negative point or negative 5.0 um, fantasy points under expected. That's the lowest among any wide receiver. I think that'll regress. I know Deontay Johnson, even me, I don't think that Deontay Johnson is that bad. Uh, bigger days are coming for, for Deontay. AJ Brown against the Dallas Cowboys. At home, Philly's favored by six and a half, a total of 42 here. This is an A.J. Brown conversation, but it's more just a, a talk, uh, a TED talk about the state of the Eagles offense. Um, because it's it's how they are going to react to this Cowboys defense, which is a top two or three unit. Granted, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence were both battling injuries heading into this. But the Eagles offense has really changed how they play in each of the two games, which is versus what they want to do heading into it. We all remember the weather game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They just ran the ball. Um, and then last week after those initial two uh, touchdown drives, things started stalling out. They started missing some offensive linemen. Arizona does some pretty cool stuff up front. And then they just started running the ball again. And because of that, Jalen Hurts had his intended air yards per attempt go from 9.1 and 11.8 in weeks two and three down to 6.2 and what? Five? Yeah, no, I think it was like 3.6 in week five. Um, Just 41.7% of his passes traveled five or more air yards in week five, Peyton. So you get Jordan Mailata back. You hopefully get Travis Kelsey, who's been in and out of practice all week. 
basically that conversation of the offense and Jalen Hurts throwing down the field, I think has negatively impacted AJ Brown because it negatively impacts the entire passing game because there's less to go around to three awesome players in AJ Brown, in Devontae Smith, and in Dallas Goddard. We know that Jalen Hurts can do it. Um, I just hope they have enough belief in the offensive line to hold up to it with how great this Dallas Cowboys defensive line has been at pressuring the quarterback. I'm pretty optimistic with AJ Brown just for touchdown purposes. Right now, his he had over three uh, expected touchdowns. He's only scored one of them through the air. This and we know that this offense is good, and we know that AJ Brown is good. So just like going over to uh, the Pick'em Lobby promo code, the show match your deposit up to a hundred dollars. Uh, this this twelve uh, higher lower mm. on fantasy points for AJ Brown seems a little bit low, a little bit too reactionary. Um, he's just been running bad on touchdowns. The, all the other efficiency metrics have been there. Um, and Trayvon Diggs has been better this, this year. No question about it. Micah Parsons is dealing with a groin injury. Like you said, the Eagles offensive line might be getting a little bit healthier. Um, I kind of like the over there. I think that's important. The offensive line. I really think it comes down to, he failed to complete a pass between the hash marks last week. Jalen Hurts said he also failed to throw a touchdown pass for the third time in five games and really when you look at it on a yards per play basis these are two of the best defenses in the league they rank second and third the eagles and the cowboys um and being pressured this season jalen hurts has not been good he's 16 of 38 for 200 yards 42 percent completion percentage so jalen hurts has been unbelievable unbelievable this year but diving into it a little bit it's not totally fair because they've had some really wonky weeks including that weather game um but we've already seen it work. And in fact, we already saw it work on the first series last week for AJ Brown. We got three receptions on that opening drive. So like you, I am optimistic this week for the Eagles. Um, talk to me about Devin Duvernay. We also spoke about on Tuesday's stats versus film show. They face in a true revenge game, wink Martindale yep. and his four and one New York giants defense. Even though the Ravens are five and a half point favorites here with a total of 45 and a half. So first off, Devin du- DuVernay has been excellent in his own right. First in completion percentage over expected among wide receivers. First in EPA per target. He's just been dominant. Last week, Rashad Bateman was ruled out. He's not going to play this week. Devin DuVernay sees 11.8 expected half PPR points. Speaking of Wink over there, man coverage. It's always been like this. Second highest rate in the league. Fourth highest in the blitz rate when you blitz. You're usually playing some man coverage behind it. Devin Duvernay against man coverage this year, 1.9 yards per route run. Demarcus Robinson, who's going to be his sidekick, 0.5. The man's never been uh, man coverage in his life. This is a Devin Duvernay week. I have him inside my top 30. If you are looking on a waiver wire and are desperate because of bye weeks or injuries, all that stuff, Devin Duvernay is my like recommended pickup and play uh, at the position. Love that. And the Ravens know that if they need something manufactured, Devin Duvernay is their guy like they did three times in basically their opening series last week okay i have one more star to talk about and it's been the same game for both of us i'm gonna lead off with jamar chase as two point favorites against the new orleans saints a total of 43 in this game uh t higgins is actually suited up for friday's walkthrough but did not practice all week with that ankle issue it could be a same exact scenario where we saw last week hayden where he tests it early if at all and then bows out or can potentially play maybe an amon ross st brown like 20 to 40 percent of the snaps Anyways, let's talk about Jamar Chase and really Joe Burrow, who he's connected to. Hopefully you all turned into this new program on the channel called Scheme, 
where Josh McCown and I spent about 20 minutes on this offense because I haven't been thrilled about the usage and really lack of big plays for Jamar Chase. It's pretty easy to point to, oh, he's not connecting on these 20-plus yard touchdowns. He had eight of them last year, which is way more than anyone else in the league. They're not connecting on these single coverage, single high looks, and they got more than they ever had before last week against the Baltimore Ravens. That's easy to say. Maybe what's even more worrisome, though, is that Joe Burrow completed 72% of his passes to the intermediate area of the field last season, 10 to 19 yards. And this season, that's down to 58%, including three interceptions, and including that interception last week to Patrick Queen, which they tried to run a dagger concept against cover two. So it's not just like, hey, the big plays aren't hitting. It's even more so like the the sticky stuff, which should be sticky for each team, the intermediate area of the field. And that's what gets me a little bit nervous. But regardless, Jamar Chase is still Jamar Chase, and his individual talent has not dropped off this season. Man coverage, Saints first, and Marshawn Lattimore has been injured. <laughs> no T. Higgins. I mean, like this to me is like the ultimate get it. right spot. Yeah, yep. ultimate get right spot. Yeah, there's... Joe Burrow has gone from first to 22nd in completion percentage over expected. Uh, they were third in catch rate on 15 air yard passes last year. They're 22nd this year. It's been a lot of just wonkiness. Uh, even just um, against uh, single high looks, they were first in yards per attempt last year. This year, they're 14th. So every single one of these metrics has just gone from elite to middle of the pack. I think they're probably somewhere in the middle. They're probably sixth in most of these categories long-term right. if I was projecting all this stuff out and these single high looks, I think that there will be some of them this week, just historically how the saints have played. They have messed around with some, some cover two man. Um, but if no T Higgins is out there. Tyler Boyd's kind of hasn't really been doing that great this year. Um, I, I can't explain it myself, but other than like broken play touchdown against the jets where two guys yeah. collide and he was able to walk in. And, and yeah. that's been about it to Zach Taylor's credit. I'm not saying he is, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Kevin O'Connell, Mike McDaniel. He tried a few things with like sweeps and tosses to Jamar Chase last week, screens at the line of scrimmage. I would just love more like mill the field stuff. And we have barely seen any of that mm -hmm. so far this season. But maybe it's a little bit more each and every week. And then he tried to be Andy Reid near the goal line. It's just a bunch of small sample stuff after they yeah. threw away the early parts of the season because they really weren't prepared for it. And on top of that, the offensive line being much worse, despite we thinking it could be better. And because of that, the rushing game being worse, even though we thought that was going to be better too. Yeah. So it's just it's just a bad start to the season. But they have to get right here. Like they have mm -hmm. to win the rest of their season's over, the Bengals basically. Yeah, I agree. They major in like empty set passing and then Joe Burrow like yells at Zach Taylor to <laughs> stop doing it. So Joe Goodberry pointed this out. He hates the under center runs and under center play actions from Joe Burrow and wants uh, him just to do it out of shotgun because he's so much more comfortable in that area. So that's something just to monitor as you're watching this game. I know you want to talk about quickly Hayden mm -hmm. Hurst as well. Yeah, this is definitely going to be dependent on his own injury. He's been on the injury report this week and then T. Higgins' status. Uh, but we are looking for tight ends out there in fantasy land. I do have him ranked um, as a tight end, one low-end tight end. When he's been the tight end five in routes, tight end 10 in usage this year. Last week when T. Higgins uh, was basically out, he had 12.6 expected half PPR points. Um, yeah, I, I don't love it, but I don't love a lot of these tight ends. And he's out there, and he's attached to a good, good quarterback. That's all you can ask for. Let's close with Christian Kirk, who I think is the ultimate squeaky wheel this weekend. They are two-point underdogs, I believe, against the Indianapolis Colts because Jonathan Taylor's back. A total of 42. Is that right? I mean, they beat up on the Colts earlier this season. 
Did I write that down correctly? I'll check. I mean, I'm even second guessing myself here. Jaguars. Yeah. They're two point underdogs on the road mm-hmm. against the Colts. They just stomped them a couple weeks ago. Anyways, Christian Kirk saw just three targets last week and a really bad performance overall from the team. Uh, another game, Josh McCown and I check out scheme. It's down the channel. Discuss this performance. Just a quote from head coach, Doug Peterson. Yes, it was unfortunate when during the week you anticipate certain structure and you have some plays designed for Christian Kirk and they come out and play that shell cover two. It took away a few of those plays and then we still have to find ways to get Christian the football. More importantly, he said he wants nine to 11 targets for Christian Kirk every week. The gimme stuff that they can manage in that short to intermediate area and then allow Trevor Lawrence to create these haymakers near the goal line or throw vertically to whatever tight ends they want down the seam. Um, I'm back on Christian Kirk this week against Indianapolis Colts. It's really that simple. Yeah, I didn't really flinch after last week. It was, I think, an outlier performance. I have him as the wide receiver, uh, 18 for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, kind of a bounce back spot from Stephon Gilmore this this year, from like what I've seen. Um, but he doesn't play on the inside, right? Stephon Gilmore, I think, even last year, like lined up. No, it was a different team. But I wonder if he takes like um, Marvin Jones or Zay Jones on the outside and Christian Kirk, since he's like the movement piece, mm-hmm. is one they can separate away from uh, away from Stefan Gilmore. Yep. Okay. That's it. No, 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 no. I got one name. It's a big, big headliner name. Oh. Just, Justin Jefferson. Just real quick. Oh, I deleted real... by accident. Sorry, Hayden. Hey, no, you're all good. Uh, if we remove the one bracket game against Okuda, we've talked about it many times on this podcast, he'd be leading the NFL in wide receiver usage. Yes, even over... Cooper Cup and Steph Diggs. Uh, right now, he's uh, second in yards per out run versus single high shells. Miami is fourth in single high shell rate. Xavier Howard's going to try to play. He's listed with a very rare groin, comma, groin on the injury report, been limited in practice. Double groined up. I would hate to have be double groined up defending Justin Jefferson without safeties over the top. It's go time. Dos groinos means Justin Jefferson is... About to thrive. Uh, yeah, we've seen that Miami secondary with the different blitz looks, and maybe they're going to try to get after Kirk Cousins. We saw what Rashad Bateman did to them. Think about what we might get Justin Jefferson off of that. Big plays, even close to the line of scrimmage, you're not running everyone. That should be a fun game. It's a pretty good slate here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Six. And at one o'clock game for uh, Kirk Cousins. Gotta love it. Tune in to our Sunday morning show, 1030 Eastern. We We'll be answering your start sick questions all morning with the latest news, the inactives, taking your voicemails. You can leave those in the description down below. 30 seconds, just give it to us and we'll replay them. And Sunday night, 7.30 Eastern between the end of the four o'clock games, the start of Sunday night football. We'll be here for the instant reaction show as well. One last thing. Go check out what Hayden's about to tell you. I'm just saying, like, thanks for supporting us on this channel. We are growing a lot, and we are adding Steve Smith, Josh McCown. Like we're actually adding like legit people. Um, it's just cool to see. Uh, so go support us. Go support Josh and Josh with the scheme stuff. It'll get better every single week. Um, very cool to get film breakdowns from you know somebody that has played a little bit of ball. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you on Sunday up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. <laughs>